Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. So, how are you? <laughs> well, in typical fly by the seat of my pants style, um, I've literally just come off air and I'm hiding in one of the meeting rooms again downstairs, but I'm actually on really good form today. Oh, although good. I think I had one of the scariest 20 minutes of radio of my life when I bought the mic up and was like, hey, and then it just went, my earphone just went... <laughs> really loud and I was like oh god it's like you cannot speak through something like that you I just basically was like well welcome to Monday it's me (laughs) and at at one point I said it was Sunday and then I was like it's not Sunday it's when I mean it was a fucking disaster (laughs) then things started to improve that was fine it could only get up go up from there though really couldn't it (laughs) how are you how was your Monday I'm okay yeah we um we haven't really done much today. It's a bit of a grey, miserable day, isn't it? So yeah. we went to the park and it rained and then we came home and that's it really. We've yeah. not really done anything. We've just been lolling about. That's all right. Um, that's a Monday well spent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it has been a Monday well spent. Um, and I, we we thought, didn't we, before we get into the chat, we just wanted to um, touch on some of the comments on social media over the weekend. <sighs> Yeah, I've been desperate to talk about this, actually. Yeah, so obviously, um, we spoke out about the BLM movement. And, and we are still very much trying to educate ourselves on all of that. And we're trying to add more diversity onto the podcast. And, you know, we're really trying to do our bit and kind of use our platform. Um, and then, you know, it was a, a great weekend followed by a really sort of sad ending to it when Wiley, who's obviously a UK grime star, thought um, it would be okay for him to spout an anti-Semitic kind of messages and hatred um, across his social media. And it just made us feel horrendous. And we, 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 yeah, we wanted to have a discussion about it before we get into the podcast today. Yeah, I just think he's got such a huge platform. Uh, I mean, is it like half a million followers or something? It's so disappointing to see anybody sort of spreading that kind of hate. But when you've got such a huge platform, it's it's disgusting. Um, I just, I mean, I just don't really know what to say. I just, no, I just can't fathom it. I can't fathom, firstly, how people are still living like this their behavior their thoughts their views I mean have we learned nothing secondly I'm really disappointed that Instagram haven't taken his videos down they've still yes that's what I mean exactly he's got such a huge following how how has it gone unnoticed like how have Instagram not seen it and not taken it down I I, I, they take down pictures of you know kids in their swimming suit or whatever and then they're not taking this down I just it's just oh it's upsetting on so many fronts and like it was really interesting actually that um, I read a post that said, you know, uh, you know, you should reach out today to the people in your community who are Jewish that you love and just send them your support. Because I yeah. haven't even thought about it. I, you know, uh, I have somebody very close to me that actually is my ex-boyfriend and him and his family are Jewish. And they kind of let me in for three years and accepted me and made me feel like I was part of it. Also, I actually messaged him this morning, just reached out to him. And he sent me this one really wonderful message back just saying, it's so lovely to hear from you. And thank you so much. And, and, and actually, his point was that it's such a crazy world that we need to shine a, a kind of spotlight on everything that's going on. People need to stand out now and make a stand against all of this. Yeah. You know, you can't just, silence is ignorance, right? You cannot yeah. say nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I think, uh, the last you know few months have really brought to light just 
how much work there is to do. I think we, you know, we can sit comfortably in our lives and and think, you know, among our peers and our friends and stuff that this doesn't go on. But it's very clear that it does. It clearly does go on, you know, in wider circles. And it's just, it's really just not okay. It's really not Um, okay. It's really not okay. And I, I just, I have to, we have to spread the love and spread all the good vibes because there's obviously a lot of very angry people out there who are still, still think it's all right to to spout this kind of absolute rubbish um and it doesn't represent what the majority of us are thinking but when they do speak you know with somebody like you said with such a huge platform it, it's it's shocking so yeah we just you know everything about made by mamas is about support and um and kindness and yeah we just we we, we stand with anybody that's feeling um uh, in a bad place today because it would yeah. have been through over the weekend definitely exactly um yeah we just wanted to you know touch on that and behind yeah. the scenes it's always something that we're thinking about and working yeah. on so definitely. um yeah before we get into the chat we just wanted to you know quickly chat through that yes, and it's something we that we'll yeah we'll be covering on our instagram and yeah um yeah, we just and continue to put that out there. Yeah, exactly. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so today's chat is a is a really nice one because it's a subject that we obviously talked about a lot when we were going through it, um, and it is around feeding, uh, feeding your baby. So whether that is kind of breastfeeding or bottle feeding, we today wanted to kind of shine a light on breastfeeding. So yeah, um, and we <laughs> we spoke to somebody who's just written a book all about it. Yeah, she's written a book called Meal Kit, and she um, breastfed, she's breastfed three girls, twins, so she she was breastfeeding twins, which so many people say that is impossible and you can't do, and she obviously goes to show that if you really want to, that you can, Um, but also you know some other stuff came out of the chat as well so if you're you know if you're not breastfeeding or you had a bad experience with breastfeeding then don't switch off because there's so much more in this chat than just talking about that so um yeah today who are we talking to Zoe? it's Chantelle Shams So today, Georgia and I are chatting to a lady who is mum to three. She's got uh, Dakota, Tatum and Blakely. She is a very successful blogger. She is a brand new author. That feels really nice. We're going to talk about her new book, Milk It, in a bit. And to be honest with you, an all-round wonderful human. It is Chantelle Shamps. How are you? Do, is it Shamps or Champs? Champs, but everyone says champs. I'm, I'm, I just let it I got, right. it right. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> you did. You got it right first time. Montel, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Have you done a podcast before? I've done one last week with someone, but I've your podcast is actually probably the only one I've really listened to because I'm not really like I don't I don't know. I just never really have time to listen to podcasts. But your your podcast is actually probably one of the only ones I've actually listened to. Oh, that's, nice. that's, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. um, now listen, before we get into the chat, can you just um, explain a little bit about you, your story and kind of a bit about yourself, basically? So I'm Chantelle, as you already know now. <laughs> um, I'm 31. I've got three daughters. I've got a six-year-old and twins that are nearly three, um, identical girls. So three girls, madhouse, poor husband, wow. <laughs> um, lots of hormones when they're older, running around the house um and then yeah just I, so I do like Instagram and basically I just have this like, massive passion to want to help women to breastfeed before we sort of get into the real kind of like the the sort of meaty part of the chat I guess around the around breastfeeding I think we should probably start just by saying that this is going to be a conversation around breastfeeding but also around um you know uh, other other areas of kind of raising twins and various other bits and pieces and for anybody that isn't breastfeeding chose not to breastfeed couldn't breastfeed didn't want to please don't switch off because I think there's yeah. a bit of a stigma between, you know, the breastfeeding crew and the bottle feeding crew. Georgia and I did both. We love both. We celebrate both. But this is a really interesting story because, um, Chantelle, you are, you know, you have written a book about breastfeeding and your kind of journey. So we really wanted to sort of highlight that as well. Absolutely. Um, Chantelle, I have sort of skimmed through your book. I only got it a couple of days ago, so it only came out yesterday. So I haven't managed to read it cover to cover. But I was really interested um, in, you know, when you got pregnant with Dakota, your eldest, and how sick you were. And just could you just tell us about that just before we get into the breastfeeding chat? It's something we haven't spoken about on the podcast. And I think it's really important to highlight yeah, yeah. So I had um, hyperemesis gravidarum, and so many people don't know what that is. But then 
a few people will say, oh, is that what Princess Kate had? Um, so if anyone does know what Princess Kate had, it was basically like just relentless sickness. Um, it was just absolutely horrendous. So I had it with Dakota and I had it with the twins. And with Dakota, it continued up till she, I was pregnant six months. And it was something, it was just very, very uh, debilitating. I would literally lay in my bedroom with like blind shot no television on I couldn't sit up without being sick I remember one time that it was like the summer and there was a fly and I see this fly fly into the fridge and it literally started my sickness off and once I started I just couldn't stop and I was on anti-sickness drugs the same anti-sickness drugs that um they give to people who are going through chemo because there isn't actually anything tried and tested for pregnant mums so it's um it's just chemotherapy anti-sickness drugs you get and um it was just absolutely awful. And then, so then that, yeah, so with Dakota, I had that till I was six months and then it come back the last month. And then I had the, even up to a week after giving birth to her, I was still constantly throwing up all through my labor. It was just awful. And what happens to um, your weight, your weight during yeah, that period? Right? Yeah. So I was, when I was six months pregnant with Dakota, I was actually a stone under my, pre, my pregnant, like my start pregnancy weight. Oh my God, that's um, mind blowing. It is. And then with when I was pregnant with the twins, it was so much worse because obviously I had Dakota at home and I couldn't actually look after her at all. I used to have to have my mum or my mother-in-law would have to come around and look after me and Dakota because even hearing her go to the toilet, just going away down the landing would start my sickness off and she would come and cuddle me. The smell of her, even my own saliva would start my sickness off. And it could be like 30 times in 12 hours and no yeah it was honestly it was absolutely like relentless I know what causes it why certain women get it and why certain women don't get it no I mean it can be hereditary so it's something that makes me really upset because I would absolutely hate the thought of the girls going through it because with when I was with the twins it would it had been four days I was in hospital and I was still being sick whereas normally they'd give you certain drugs for your like um, IV drip and stuff and it would normally ease it because obviously you can't throw it back up but um this one particular time it it didn't really happen and I remember the doctor coming around to me she actually was one of the doctors that actually ended up helping me deliver the girls and um I said to her I said I've spoke to my husband I've got 24 hours left in me and I'm gonna have to think about ending this pregnancy even now just saying that makes me want to cry because obviously it was a a very wanted pregnancy at the time I didn't know I was having twins um but it was just awful. I just, I literally could not do anything. And Dakota, every time I'd go to hospital, she would be crying and, you know, putting her arms out to me saying, like, mummy, I don't want you to go. She was only three and a half. And it was just absolutely awful. And then one day with the twins, although it was, it was literally double worse. I spent the same amount of time in hospital as I did with Dakota, but over half the period. So I was just, I just thought there's just no way I can get to six months doing this. Um, but literally after my first scan with the twins, uh, my second scan even, um, I think it was nearly 13 weeks, I had one hospital admission after that and that was it. And I was so surprised, but just such a relief because I just, I don't know how I could have carried on with that. It was awful. And my granddad was actually um, dying at the time. He was in the same hospital as me on chemo and we was both on the same drugs, which was just a bit mental because obviously both there for completely different things and we're both discussing like, you know, anti-sickness, the same anti-sickness drugs. Yeah. You mentioned that you said to your husband and the medical team that you had 24 hours left in you. Was that sort of a balance of guilt between you know wanting to be at home with your daughter and thinking that I can't you know I'm not there for her and then obviously you thought at the time you were only having one um, baby w- w- was it like a you didn't know what to do you could you couldn't it was like not being able to decide what was best it was just I mean I absolutely hate throwing up so like now since having the girls I I don't really drink everyone kind of takes the mickey out of me because they're like oh you know lighten up but the thought of being sick it just I just can't handle it it just takes me back to that time and it had been four days and it was literally continuously I think I ended up having about eight drips and my dehydration levels were still at the highest and they couldn't believe how dehydrated I was like I couldn't hold a cup so it was like physically mentally I was I mean obviously mentally if I, if I had have gone through with a termination obviously mentally afterwards I would have been 
horrendous but I I just physically just I just couldn't do it and obviously you know leaving Dakota as well it was just awful but there is in the just in the UK alone like 1,000 women because of this 1,000 women terminate their wanted planned pregnancies it doesn't even have to be planned but wanted births in the UK just a thousand people alone and I totally get it because I was so close to that point and you know I don't know hand on heart I don't know if I would have gone through that I'd like to think that I wouldn't have but I really honestly I know I could not say if it had have continued um because yeah by day four I was I was honestly just absolutely desperate and my mum was caring for my granddad obviously Lewis was at home with Dakota so I didn't really want her to come up she did once but it was just really emotional so it was like very depressing very lonely and obviously just so so ill what a horrendous time for you Chantal how how it sort of juxtaposed as well because you on the one hand you're pregnant and it's supposed to be you know a wonderful time in your life and then you're having to deal with this illness which is horrendous I mean I don't know how you clung on to that no I honestly I, I don't neither I can remember with Dakota at six months I remember saying to my husband then, I was like, I just don't know how much longer, I just don't yeah. see how I can carry on another three yeah. months. And luckily I had like, like about two months break and then it come back the last month. But I remember really crying to my mum and I was six months pregnant and I remember holding my bump and I said, I just don't feel any connection to her because obviously this thing in my body was making me so ill mm. and obviously first time mum and I remember seeing all these people on um, Facebook that was pregnant at the same time as me saying how much they loved their bump already and they loved their baby and I remember feeling like I needed to put on this presence because obviously that was the norm you know you fell in love with your bum and I just remember feeling I didn't feel that way and then I felt really guilty even saying it now makes me feel really guilty but I had no obviously you have no control over that and it wasn't anything obviously to do with her it was just how I, ill I was it was just impossible to form this bond well I mean we completely understand that I mean that is that feels like a very normal reaction because you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to bond because the person inside you is making you sick in a way you know it's like it's a really weird thing to try and get your mind your mind around but what happened when Dakota was born did you find the bonding process hard at that point no so once I gave birth to Dakota it literally was the best thing ever like I absolutely just loved being a mum to her she was like I don't know I literally you know like I thought oh my god this is what I was put on this earth to do when I became a mum to her like I just absolutely loved everything about it and I remember thinking I could have like a million children because I just absolutely loved it fell in love with her but I didn't have that with the twins um I never had that feeling with them, and obviously, like I know, I knew I loved them. I remember yeah. just like nearly, she was like jumping on the bed, and I was like, "Don't jump on the bed!" And she kind of like nearly fell on the girls. And I remember being like, "Oh my god, she's gonna hurt them!" But I feel like with the girls, where I'd been so ill, my granddad was dying, and I felt like we had like quite a few hospital admissions in and out for the first like three months, and yeah. I just kept feeling like something bad was gonna happen. So I kept feeling like I just needed to put this barrier up because. I could handle being a mum more if something did happen. I just had this constant fear of something happening. And um, I feel like it took me quite a while to get that bond with the girls. I mean, now I don't have it at all, but I can remember like standing there rocking them. I don't know how old they would have been, but trying to get them to sleep one at a time. And I remember like tears just streaming down my face because it took me like so much longer than I'd ever, well, I just didn't think that. You know, I just thought it would be this instant thing and it just wasn't. And they were very hard work. What were you worried about was going to happen, Chantelle? What were you thinking was going to happen? Well, I'm in um, lots of twin Facebook groups. And obviously where twins are premature, so many things can happen. And we had like a worry with Blakely as well that she had cerebral palsy because she was very delayed compared to Tatum. But Tatum was also delayed because obviously she, um, they were both premature. And... um, she had to have like a brain scan to see her brain function. So I, I don't, it's just, there was just so many things. I just, I felt like I was just too lucky to have two healthy babies. Yeah. And because of the, all these hospital admissions. Um, so the first one after we'd been discharged the first time was, um, so originally I went in because they said she'd lost too, uh, Blakely had lost too much weight. She was twin two, the smaller twin. And they, yeah, they said, oh, she's lost too much weight. You're going to have to go into hospital. And I felt like a massive failure because obviously I wanted to breastfeed. And I felt like I'm her mum and I can't even feed her enough. And, you know, how selfish am I being? I want to breastfeed and, you know, she's 
got like get she's went under the like you know the recommended 10 percent and then we got to the hospital and they was like oh no on our scale she's like over the 10 you know she's not hasn't reached the 10 percent, so that's fine yeah. and they said, oh, oh we're just gonna do like obs on her and they've done her temperature and they was like oh we i think this thermometer's broken they so they went and got a second thermometer and they was like no it's not broken she was just so cold she was so under her mm. oh my god sorry, I want to cry oh, I've never, I never really spoke about this part in detail much but um yeah that, that she was just so under her, the temperature and they said oh we're gonna have to keep her in because she was so small I think at this part this time she was less than three and a half pounds and she literally had these little chicken legs she had no fat on her and then I, we was there and I said oh you know can you just check Tatum because obviously we wasn't there for her temperature and I said can you just check my other twin um because obviously she could have the same and she did so I'm so pleased I got them to check her and wow. then they was both in um in an incubator but obviously if we hadn't have had I mean the midwife who actually told us to go to hospital, she did say maybe it was the car journey that could have actually just, it could have been just that small amount of time outside from the house to the car because they was so premature and tiny that could have had the drop in temperature. But obviously we'll never, ever know that. Yeah. So, um, but I, then I felt a failure thinking, you know, I, I, I can't even keep my babies warm when I just kept constantly thinking something was going to happen, especially to Blakely because she was the really small twin. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just had this fear because I felt, like I said, very incredibly lucky to have these two healthy babies. And then when Blakely had got to, I think it was nearly a year, I can't remember, maybe like nine months, ten months, when they thought she could potentially have cerebral palsy. I thought, well, this is what I've built myself up for. This is what I've been worrying about. Like, there was something. But, I mean, thankfully, she come back absolutely fine. And now she's hit two. She's nearly three. She's literally Aww. caught up with everything and she's so forward. But, you know, we had, like, I think it was about nine months wait till we actually found out that she didn't have anything because I had, like, experts from, like, America who'd seen her on my Instagram and in my, in my stories and they said that they thought that she had some form of cerebral palsy. And I had someone from Great, who worked at Great Ormond Street said similar from her video. So... It was such a panic and then we yeah. paid for a private physio and that's when they feel like their muscles and stuff and they said, oh, no, you can tell she's fine because of her muscles because sometimes brain scans don't always show up cerebral palsy because it's how the brain functions yep. and not necessarily brain damage. Right. So, so, yeah, we had that worry as well. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's incredible. And you obviously breastfed them both throughout all of this, you know, huge traumas at the beginning. Did you ever feel like not, you know, giving up and, and not doing it? Oh, no, I feel like I was so determined and so stubborn with it. And I think because I had that, I didn't have that bond with them at the beginning. Yeah. And in my head, I just thought, kept thinking, I need to get breastfeeding because that's going to like fix it. And I, I don't know if it did. I don't know. I don't, wouldn't say that that was the reason why we bonded, um, but as well because I wanted to do it I felt like the birth had gone wrong and I felt like I needed to get that control back and I needed to set out what I wanted to do um so yeah I never ever thought about stopping I mean there was days where I thought what are you doing this is horrendous <laughs> especially when there's going through a growth spurt or something like I remember one of their growth spurts we was in hospital again because Blakely had bronchitis and um and it was absolutely horrendous for three days. They just wanted to cluster feed. And obviously I was on a, like a children's oh, ward. Gosh. I know. And I was thinking, <sighs> this is absolutely like relentless, horrendous. Like I was thinking, what am I doing? But I just kept thinking, well, tomorrow it could stop. It could stop. And I'm so, so pleased. That I kept telling myself like tomorrow could be like the best day. Like, you know, I shouldn't judge stops because today's a bad day. Because obviously I know that it's going to get better. And that's kind of what I just kept reminding myself. And I'm so pleased I did because I feel like if I hadn't, have done my breastfeeding journey because I was so that is literally what I set out to do and and where I had so many people telling me that I couldn't do it I felt like I needed to prove to them as well so they kind of gave me a bit of fire so there was like no way I was stopping what what is it about breastfeeding that you love so much I don't know I think it's like the connection like obviously so my husband's now had the snip we're never having any more children and that makes me so sad not because I'm not going to have more children but the thought of just not breastfeeding like you know like when you're feeding and they look up at you and smile and it's like and they still look like they're still feeding I just love that so much and I don't know I just you know all the skin to skin and I don't know obviously you get this connection there 
like I said, I don't know if that made me bond with them because I know I would have bonded with them had I breastfed, had I bottle fed. But when I, I don't know, breastfeeding, obviously you release love hormones when you breastfeed. So I feel like I'm a bit addicted to love. I love love. <laughs> we'll be right back after the short break. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So welcome back, uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? There's so many questions I want to ask because I'm, I'm so interested about breastfeeding because um, Georgia and I basically did the combi feeding. So with our yeah. first, yeah. we both did about, did we do between six and 12 weeks, basically? So we gave it a well. Did you do six weeks with Axel? I did six weeks with Axel, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have to say, I didn't enjoy it at all the first time round. I really, really didn't. I, I, I was sort of forcing myself to do it because I thought I should um and actually I felt better when I switched to the bottle um but I you know I'm not envious of people who say you know they love it and they had the best experience but it does really interest me because I just feel like my experience was so different the first time round yeah and you had a better experience didn't you with Gigi yeah and and with Gigi I wasn't going to breastfeed because I'd had such a bad experience with Axel I thought do you know what I'm probably not going to and that's fine and I didn't worry about it but then I don't know if then that that is why the pressure came off yeah. and I actually enjoyed it a lot more I think we did about 12 weeks maybe a bit more with Gigi and then I knew that was you know that was time for me um it's but, really yeah, interesting, it's, it's so it? interesting yeah so, um my my whole view on it is like it's it's one of the most selfless things and I know that sounds weird but like you forget about you and you sit down and you just give and you just give and give and give, literally, like with your time, but yeah. with, with your body and the fluids, and you're just you just give, 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 and then about half an hour later, you just give, 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 and and that is motherhood, right? That is being a mum because we just we're just this outpouring of love, and we just do we just don't put ourselves first at all. And I think when you're first, for me, it was like there wasn't anything else around. I was just feet up. I was having I was on my mat leave. I was like, I'm going to give this a whirl, and I did twelve weeks. I felt really proud of myself. I suffered really badly from um, like infected nipples, oozing, bleeding. I had mastitis. Like it was just really hardcore. The second yeah. time around with Kit, he actually took to it much much quicker than Luna and much easier but he had um he had a um all these allergies and reflux and everything else and I couldn't sit around and breastfeed for like Mm. you know cluster feeding for with with Luna it was like she wanted to go out and do things and I found that side of it quite difficult because actually I think the second time around I would have liked to have done more yeah interesting isn't it yeah is I think every breastfeeding journey is just so individual but with me with the twins the obviously they was my second I I think because it was twins, I I literally had told myself like the first six weeks I'm just gonna spend at home. I mean, I don't don't think I really had the confidence, and I wasn't. I feel like I was quite mentally unwell. I didn't yeah. realize that at the time. So, but in my head, I was like, right, I'm gonna stay in and just be in bed and just breastfeed. But I feel like the first six weeks is just. I just that's the one thing I wouldn't like to do the first six weeks again if I can skip that part I'd breastfeed forever (laughs) I said what did you do you obviously face some challenges breastfeeding like you know most people do what you know what what did you face and what did you find that helped so I mean with Dakota my nipple only one of my nipples my right one really split and was bleeding and I can remember the initial pain I remember my legs flying up in the air and I was thinking, no, I'm going to get this. Like, I'm going to do it. And um, I don't really know how they healed. I think I just 
worked out that she wasn't latching on that boob properly because I'd originally had it pierced. So I don't know if it, that affected her latch on that side. And then eventually, and she did also have a really slight tongue tie, which they said that didn't need clipping, but I feel like maybe that would have made her uh, latch better potentially. Um, but with that, I just you know, got the nipple cream and I remember putting ice cubes on my boob before I was going to feed her thinking I'd numb it, but either that didn't really happen. Um, <laughs> so many things, don't we, to look yeah. on our breasts, get cabbage leaves. Yeah, on I there. did that. And in the shower, it's like, oh, it's agony. Yeah, but with the twins, I never had that. Like, I thought that I would because obviously they was premature and they had these tiny, tiny little mouths and my nipples were huge. They grew so much when I was um, pregnant and... I just thought that, yeah, it would be really tough, but I never had that. I don't know if Dakota had toughened up my nipples from my previous breastfeeding journey. And obviously yeah. I kind of like knew how to latch them more, although I did struggle because, you know, their mouths were so small. Yeah. Um, but like I said, because I'd spent those six weeks, I was like, right, I'm going to just spend as much six weeks as possible indoors, which was also difficult because, like I said, my granddad was dying. So the first month we was going to his quite a lot, but I felt so comfortable around my nan and granddad. So we just, I still could relax and, you know, just try and grasp it. So just break um, down the day for me, Chantel. So you're obviously breastfeeding twins. You've you've got, well, just tell me, how, what does that even look like and how much are they feeding? <laughs> when you say you have to spend six weeks indoors, did you literally spend six weeks in bed? Just tell Basically, us about that. Yeah, literally. So I just, because obviously I was so determined it was going to happen. And I remember with Dakota, you know, everyone was coming to visit all the time. So I said to my husband, right, we're not having that. It's, I don't want to have that overwhelmingness of all these people, which wouldn't have probably happened anyway, because obviously we was in and out of hospital and me visiting my granddad. But when I wasn't in hospital or with my granddad, we was literally at home and we kept visitors minimal because I absolutely... I remember just being really overwhelmed with Dakota and I just wanted to spend all this time with her and everyone was coming and wanting to change her nappy. And I'm like, I want to change her nappy. Um, So, yeah, with the twins, yeah, it literally was just at home. Um, Dakota was three and a half, so she was at play school. So I can remember saying to my husband, because I literally, obviously, you know, you're feeding all through the night. And at the time I was like, do I wake the other one? Do I not? What do I do? Do I feed them both at the same time? But that's a real struggle in the early days. You literally feel so cat-candid. You've got these two babies that obviously can't hold their head. They can't latch on. You've got to try and manually latch them both. And it was just very just very awkward. And I had a bad back where I try and do it in different positions. Oh, obviously, after yeah. that... I've got pictures of me leaning forward and like trying to breastfeed these babies. I was just doing it like all wrong, just obviously trying to like just, you know, just do it. Just get through. And, um, yeah, and I remember there's a few pictures on my phone where I've sent them to my husband when he must have been at work. I was like, look, I've done it. But I ended up, um, I much preferred breastfeeding them one at a time because that was kind of my answer to everyone who was saying to me, you shouldn't breastfeed twins because it's going to be too hard work. Yeah. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. I could breastfeed them both at the same time. It's the same as having one. But then when it did happen, because I just felt cat-candid, even once we did kind of get comfortable with it, it was just, I don't know, I didn't like breastfeeding them at the same time. I think I liked having that one-on-one with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were very, very quick feeders. So they both only fed. I remember having to write time zone in the hospital. And, it, you know, some of the times it was like eight minutes, ten minutes. Like, they really wasn't long feeders. When they would go for their cluster feeding stages, it was obviously different. But they was quick, quite quick. So I'd one would wake, normally Blakely, the little twin. Yeah. And, then I'd feed her and then I'd always contemplate, do I wake Tatum up? Do I, don't I? So the, I think originally I didn't. And then obviously I was just literally just awake most of the night around these two oh my God, You are literally a hero. I know. I mean, did you, did you have to sort of get them into a feeding pattern and schedule? Like you said, if one woke up at say, I don't know, 2am, then you'd go maybe try and go back to sleep. And then the other one might then wake you up at 2.45. And then yeah. you'd, oh you, you know, you'd never get any rest. Did you have, did you find that you needed to get them into, you know, a pattern of feeding? Yeah, so what I did end up doing was I'd feed, normally like I said, Blakely should be the one to wake up. She's still the same now. (laughs) It's always her waking up first. (laughs) Um, So I'd feed her and then I'd literally just wake Tatum up and feed her. I don't even know if I'd wake her up. I'd just put her on and she'd latch on and then I'd put her back to bed. And obviously I had a um, next to me, which I thought was brilliant. So I didn't actually have to get up or anything. I'd just lean over. And and 
because it's a bit bigger than like a Moses basket. They both slept in there together and they slept Aww. so well. Honestly, it was so cute. They'd like nuzzle into each other. It was so sweet. And they wouldn't wake each other up, I think, because they were so used to each other. Like Blake yeah. would be screaming in Tatum's ear and Tatum would just sleep through. Um, so that was always handy. But yeah, I just would do that. And then once they got to uh, maybe like four months I remember being like it was always Blakely that would wake up first and I was thinking I'm waking Tatum up but maybe she doesn't even need to be woke up anymore you know like am I now like like because there was both just at complete different rates and so then I kind of stopped doing it I thought I just trial and error and see and so then Tatum started sleeping through and I was still waking up with Blakely so I was quite pleased I did check that out because otherwise I would have been doing double the work when I didn't need to be yeah Um, but yeah, they did kind of end up getting into that habit of like waking together and stuff like that. If um, if if I hadn't, if once I'd fed Blakely, normally Tatum would be like stirring and she would then get into that habit because she knew like, you know, the times to feed. Yeah. Were, were there any points where you thought, do you know what, I just can't do this any longer? Because those midnight feeds, the one, the two o'clock in the morning ones where you're so exhausted dog tired and you've got two babies you know Georgia and I have done it with one baby at a time and we it's nearly sent us over the edge so what was that like for you and did you think about throwing in the towel at any point so I remember when I think it was the six-week growth spurt because I think that's the toughest one and it normally lasts around three days and it's so many women then because it's so relentless that so many women have come to me and said oh my milk dried out they just wanted to feed and they was never satisfied but that is actually very normal newborn six-week behavior because they go they're going to go through a growth spurt so they um then obviously want to up your milk supply so they custard feed so that then when they do have the growth spurt you have enough milk it's very clever (laughs) and I remember at the six weeks and I'd fed I'd fed them then put them back and I remember then they woke up again like crying for milk and I remember looking at my husband I was like what do they want I've just fed them (laughs) oh my god these children are just oh and I knew that obviously I knew exactly where we was but I was still you know thinking this just cannot be possible this cannot be possible I've literally just like fed you for so long and then you've had like you've been off for 10 minutes and now you want more and my husband's like looking at me like going oh because I said I didn't want dummies because I didn't want it to interfere with the feeding and I was like right go to Asda I need you to go there now that's open 24 hours go get a dummy like I just can't do this and he's like I'm not getting out of bed and going to Asda and And then by the next morning I was like I'm so pleased that that's over with and I feel like there was definitely times where, and I do remember one time my husband, he was really scared to say to me, he was like, look, please don't bite my head off. He was like, but do you think maybe you should just give formula because this is a bit much? And I was like, don't you dare say that. I was like, I'm going to do this. I feel like I was just even more determined purely just, because like I said, everything had gone wrong and I wasn't happy with my in my head. And I was just like, I need this. This needs to happen because like, I know how sure. much I love breastfeeding. Yeah. Like, so oh, there definitely was numerous times where I thought, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. But it's something I just constantly told myself, this isn't going to stay this way. And it, it feels like forever, but I knew it's such a short period of time. And I feel like once you kind of get over that six-week growth spurt, and then there is another one. I think it's around 10 weeks yeah um, kind of after that stage it is quite plain sailing yeah wow I mean you want to ask I just do, do you want to ask you want to ask your question because I really want to ask about breastfeeding in public so well yeah I was actually going to ask about um I was going to ask about pumping I was going to oh, just yes. sort of say about you know it sounds like you're you know you're, you had to give absolutely everything of you to the children but then what happened when you wanted a bit of time for you did you did you ever pump or you know did you go for a few drinks and do the pump and dump I I, I never experienced that um that side of things I just wanted to know how that worked so in the early days after I would feed them because I was so determined to up my milk supply because obviously we had the worry that Blakely had gone over the 10 percent yeah we pumped after every feed even 2 a.m whatever time I'd wake up in the night I'd pump afterwards and I've still got all of the milk in my freezer and literally have you yeah my husband said to me Shams do you think we should throw this out and I was like no I thought that's like all my hard work trauma like my traumatic head is all in that milk and I'm just like I can't get rid of it so and can I, you I donate really them to milk banks 
it's too late now because I did actually oh. say to my hospital because when I had the girls and my milk hadn't come in and they had like low blood sugars I said to them can I have some donor milk and they said that they didn't offer it so then I offered my milk and said look I'm pumping but I'm not actually doing anything with the milk I'd like to donate it and she said Shanti I think you've got enough on your hands to worry about other people <laughs> so um yeah, so I've just got the milk. I am going to have some put into jewellery um, and I will get rid of some, but I'm like, I'm not getting rid of the colostrum because I feel like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. It's very strange. You have <laughs> jewellery, did you say? Yes, yeah, so you can have like your milk put into like a like a necklace and it, like they put in resin and then it's... Yeah, so I've seen this. No, yeah. that has yeah. never blown my tiny mind. <laughs> yeah, so I would like to have something like that, but I never pumped to have a break. Um I don't know. I've, I've, so once they kind of got into, like, I know it was very tough. Once it got to about 12 weeks, I knew that we was in a pattern of their nap times when I would feed. So it'd be like, to so say I was going to go for lunch with my friends. Yeah. I would just go around the corner to my favourite restaurant. It's like two minutes from my house. And I'd feed them. Then I'd, like, put them down for a nap. And then they could wake up and, you know, my husband could keep them entertained or whatever. So I would get breaks and I'd do it, fit it around when I knew that they'd want feed in. Um, right, yeah. And then obviously once they get to six months and they're having solids, it's it was just so much easier because if I it didn't matter to me if they missed out some milk, I'd just, you know, give them extra or and they would want they would just probably feed extra when I'd got home. So I mean my first night away they was Oh, I don't know if it was like nine months, I think, and it was my friend's wedding, and I was a bridesmaid, and I'd been trying them with bottles, and they just would not take to the bottle at all. So we tried so many different things. I was so stressing out because obviously it was my first night away. Yeah, um, yeah you but, get shit faced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but and I did because um, I was saying it was about an hour away, two hours away. It was in Kent, and I'm in Essex. And um, my mum had them. But I think because I wasn't in the house, they couldn't smell me. They did eventually kind of grasp it. But obviously, like I said, they was on solids and things like that. So it wasn't as important. But obviously, those first six months, if you want to have a break, it's something, you know, like I knew I wasn't going to really. So I didn't bother doing the pumping. Although, like I said, I did pump in the early days for milk, but not like I just, I don't know, the thought for me of like, like sterilising and things like that really stressed me out. So I feel like, yeah, I just breastfed. <laughs> it's so interesting, isn't it? What stresses some one person yeah. out, and what stresses another person out? Because for me, obviously, and for Georgia, you know that that that, that process was actually quite an easy one, and some people yeah. will go with that listing, and some people won't. But I wanted to sort of touch on actually getting out of the house um, and having to breastfeed in public because there's a lot of chat and chatter in the media about you know people having quite bad experiences of you know we've all had those disapproving looks and luckily it's 2020 things are starting to change but what were your experiences like breastfeeding your twins in public and did you wear a muslin or did you just whap them out and get on with it so when I was pregnant with the twins I remember like obviously very hormonal I remember saying to my husband I was like crying going oh my god like I'm never gonna be able to go outside like I can't how am I gonna breastfeed the girls outside and I was literally really worked myself up and I just kept thinking everyone's gonna think I'm a bit of a freak show I already felt like people would think that of me because I wanted to breastfeed twins I felt really when I would tell people I was going to breastfeed them, I'd always like make up these excuses. Like, oh, I, you know, I've done it before. Like, I just feel like it would be easier for me. I felt like I had to have a reason why I wanted to breastfeed because I felt really, yeah, like a bit, like a bit of a freak show for some reason in my head. That's how, what I'd given myself this image in my head. And um, so, yeah, I'd rung up my husband and said, you know, how am I going to do this in public? And he was like, what are you worrying for? He said, you know, you breastfed Dakota in public. He said, just breastfeed one and then breastfeed the other one. And I was like, oh, yeah that's really simple I was like what a good idea and I thought because I, <laughs> I don't know why I hadn't thought that in my head I was just like because I told myself I was gonna like turn yeah. up it constantly in my head like I hadn't entered my head at all to breastfeed one at a time and then when we did I mean I've always I, I don't remember with my first pregnancy of Dakota I know I did breastfeed in public but I can't remember if I felt anxious or anything yeah um but with the girls I didn't I mean I've got a video of me in Costco as my mum come and found me and I was sitting in the garden furniture I was breastfeeding one twin and then the other twin was in the pram and I was rocking her with my foot and I thought that literally is proper twin wow. <laughs> in public and my, I was on my own as well and I literally like I just didn't worry and I never wore a muslin I mean I, I, there probably has been times where I had if I had it there or, or something but it's not something I really remember worrying too much because I just think yep. 
you know, if someone's got a problem with me breastfeeding, just don't look. It's either that or listening to a baby screaming because they want milk. Yeah, so, yeah. And you can't turn your ears off, but you can look somewhere else. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. But the first time um, I tandem fed, I was in America and they was like a year and a half and uh, in public, tandem fed in public. And... Um, and we went for breakfast with the princesses and they started screaming. And I was like, oh, no, like, this is actually the most beautiful, magical moment. And they're screaming. And my husband was like, just feed them both. And I was like, but I've never turned them fed in public. And he was like, just don't worry about it. You're never going to see these people again. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I just, I've got a picture of me. I'll put them both on. And I felt so proud of myself. Oh, that is incredible. And, I mean, there was people around us, but obviously no one could really see and if they could it's I feel like it's just it's on them just don't look yeah you mentioned um about you know they were a year and a half when you were feeding did you face you know any comments or any sort of disapproving looks the older they got you know I think a lot of us are used to seeing you know babies of six months eight months nine months being breastfed but I guess older than a year you don't see it as much I think because I didn't feel too conscious I wasn't kind of like looking around at people if looking you know for I mean. it yeah. yeah and then but I did I remember I breastfed um last it was literally a year ago we was in Cornwall so the twins was coming up to two and I turned and fed them both on the beach because I was both screaming obviously they can see my flesh and they're like right I want that (laughs) (laughs) once as they got older I would plan feed you know they didn't need to feed when we was out so once we did get past a certain age maybe when there was one I didn't really feed much because I'd feed in the morning when we'd wake up and then I'd be like right we're going out for lunch or whatever you know and they had got to the age where they could eat food so I, di- I didn't really do it too much in public but we like I said we was on the beach for the day and they'd see my flesh which is obviously like worse because they just want it and they can't, don't understand and obviously it's absolutely fine anyway you know I breastfeed literally anywhere anytime but I was we wasn't really doing it that much in the day but they wanted it so I breastfed them both on the beach and I uploaded this picture on Instagram and I don't think I got anything on Instagram but I remember putting it on Facebook and um some man wrote something really nasty just about them being really old or something and, and the thing is as well they were so tiny I mean, oh, they're, God. I, mean they're, I know they're free now and they're in like 12 to 18 months 18 to 24 months close oh. so they're still really <laughs> and obviously the last year they was really small but um yeah, so it's just, I didn't. I've never really experienced anything really negative, but like I said, I also, you know, if anyone was saying anything under their breath or whatever, I just, I just didn't look for it. I feel like maybe I would have done more when I was with Dakota because I was more conscious. I would have, I feel like I would have looked around, and I remember breastfeeding before in a restaurant in um, close to me, and this, and the, all the waiter staff was like looking and looking at me, not very impressed. And I really remember that, but I don't really remember it with the twins but like I said I feel like I was just wasn't as conscious so yeah. I just wasn't looking for it but I know luckily online I've literally just received so much positivity from formula fed mums combi feeding mums breastfeeding mums like I've never really experienced anything negative I'd say like, I can count on one hand how many negative things I've had maybe more but I don't really remember oh listen you can't time. please everybody there's every exactly. you know, yeah. you're gonna have a comment about something and I think it's just if you've if you've received any you know enough comments for one hand it's like that's that's amazing really. yeah um, how do we um change the way that we look at breastfeeding in our society and what can be done um, to help mums if they choose to breastfeed or want to breastfeed because I'll be honest with you when I had Luna I hadn't had anyone give me any advice on it I didn't know where to look for it I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing and if it hadn't been for the breastfeeding angel volunteer that popped into my room in the hospital going can I help you and I was like crying going I don't know what to do Aww. I wouldn't have had a clue so yeah what what more can be done I think um definitely like women need to know more 100 percent. but obviously I feel like we all go into these pregnancies just assuming that we're just going to find out or it's just going to happen I, I don't know because I've never obviously with the twins I've done my own research um but with Dakota I didn't I wanted to breastfeed but I never looked into it and I don't know if I thought that someone would tell me and show me or or what I really don't know I mean I I think because I don't know um if they're doing it now but I remember when I was breastfeeding the twins the government was coming out of like a new in, incentive to pay mums if they breastfed till six months because I think in the UK only one percent of mums are breastfeeding by six months so they wanted to do an incentive for 
um, mums to breastfeed for longer and they would pay them money in vouchers or something. Wow. But for me, wow. That, I feel like that blows my mind. I feel like that money should go into having like like breastfeeding people come and educate you breastfeeding specifically breastfeeding classes because I think it is touched on in antenatal classes um but because I was having twins I was told not to worry about going to that I was told not to worry about my hypnobirthing because it was all going to be different so I didn't actually get anything like that and I didn't actually get told anything even though I told everyone I wanted to breastfeed no one actually told me anything so I feel like in the government I mean like I said I don't know if they are still doing that scheme but I feel like that money should just go into it's just education and you know learning and you know knowing that the the hard stuff because you know I feel like we're kind of like you know when I got mastitis with my eldest the first time I felt like I had the flu and I was being sick yeah and my temperature was so high and I was thinking what the hell is this like you know I didn't know anything about it and I, I feel like that's what it is I feel like just more, there needs to be like more education but and I think that's why it's important for mums to kind of be aware you know hopefully you'll get some support which is absolutely amazing if you do but also be prepared that you potentially won't so but you that doesn't mean you, you won't be able to breastfeed you know of course you can still breastfeed just you're gonna have to take matters into your own hands so for me it was finding that Facebook twin and triplet group and then literally just googling and getting as much knowledge as possible buy my book (laughs) (laughs) that's what I was just gonna say so tell us you know tell us what's in your book what people can expect to see um so I talk about my pregnancy my birth and and breastfeeding journey because I felt like I you know we've all had these mum books bought for us I'm sure and you know that they just wasn't very personal and for me like I like I said I absolutely love love helping women to breastfeed so I wanted to do something that was very personal very like I'm talking to my friend so it's very friendly and yeah literally just everything that I would tell my friends if my friend wanted to breastfeed I literally have just laid it all out there and yeah spoke about my mental health after the girls because I feel like that's really really important to talk about because you know I put on this massive image on my Instagram that I was really happy but I was really really struggling and I still was able to breastfeed and obviously that's something that can make it harder I've put down everything you know all of the things I struggled with, everything that I done well with. I speak about like sex while after giving birth, not obviously straight away. <laughs> um, and um, my body image, like you know, like how, how your body changes after um, after giving birth. Because I just I just wanted it just to be like everything that someone would come and give me a cuddle and just tell me all these bits that no one really all talks the real about. stuff. Yeah, yeah. All, all we really need to know that people kind of don't necessarily tell us. Yeah. So my like, I said to my husband, I was like, oh, I put in there, but I've got like stretch marks on my bum crack. He's like, did you really? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, did. I was thinking for a while. I was like, what is that? And then I realised it was stretch marks on my bum crack. So I got that after. <laughs> I love that you put that in your book. That's amazing, Chantelle. <laughs> um, well, that sounds brilliant. Where can people buy it? Online? Yeah, so it's Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smiths. And I know that there are some independent um, stores that have it as well amazing well I mean we think you're absolutely fantastic and well done for normalizing it all and talking about it because you know it's one of those subjects if you want to do it fantastic there's going to be help like your book out there if you choose not to do it that is also fantastic you can do what you want it's your baby absolutely (laughs) that's what I always try and say to people because like so many people give you their opinions and I just think it is so important for women to just feed how they want to feed and you know some some women come to me oh you know i I really feel like I've let myself down because I'm now formula feed. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I think just being a mum, like, it, it, I don't feel like you know anyone's better or worse for doing feeding their babies how they want to feed their babies. It's just, I feel like it's just so important for everyone to, you know, do what's best for them and their family. Everyone's circumstances are different. Definitely. And just to finish off, um, we love to ask our guests about their five favourite products. Um, so they can be about breastfeeding, they can be about twins, just any any five products that you absolutely swear by. First, I would say breast pads because, well, I remember like after like an hour, I'd take them out and then they'd literally just, like you could hear them thump on the floor. <laughs> Not that I'm going to try but I just think like, oh my God, look how much milk's in here. But I do think breast pads as well, you do need to like shop around because some are very like rough and what's your favorite my favorite's lance you know i feel like they're quite quite soft but i remember the tommy teepee ones being so rough and i was so uncomfortable obviously you don't want to be uncomfortable just give birth yeah Um, exactly yeah white noise machine oh my god i love white noise machine oh yeah we're big (laughs) fans 
yeah. I have a fan on in my bedroom still now because I just need that little noise. Um, <laughs> and my husband hates it. Even in the winter, I'm like, no, it's got to be on. <laughs> so white noise machine is great for adults too. Um, so I found Swaddle really good. I don't know if any if you have heard about Dr. Harvey Carp. He does the five. Yeah. We had him on the podcast. Yeah. We did. No we had him on the podcast, yeah. Oh, my God, he's amazing, isn't he? So I, from him, I, that was the way I got the white noise, the Swaddle, the swaying. So, yeah, I love Swaddles. Um, a baby rocker, especially if you're having twins, that was my lifesaver. I mem- remember sometimes in the middle of the night, I'd end up putting them both in their, their baby rocker. Just Which one do you use? So I use the Mama Roo. Ba- uh, yeah, the four, is it four mums? That's it, four mums, Mama Yeah, I know. So I had yeah. that for the twins, but for Dakota, I just had a cheap one. And, and I love, I did absolutely love the Mama Roo, but I feel like any baby rocker, you know, it could be like, 20 pound from wherever you know I feel like that rocking motion isn't going to change if you spend hundreds of pounds or spend 20 pound yeah Um, and also so with the twins I had a breastfeeding pillow which I found definitely helped in the early days um I don't think I had one with Dakota so it's not necessarily needed but I found it very helpful for wanting to breastfeed the twins and do you remember where that was from I think my my mum bought it for me and I she just got it from um, George. It was like a, the, it looked like a number three. But for yeah. four twins, if you, if anyone is listening and wants to breastfeed twins, on the um, breastfeeding twins and triplets website, they've actually got all of the type of breastfeeding pillows there are, and there's some that are like different heights depending on if you're taller, and they're meant to be absolutely amazing. But they can obviously be quite pricey. Fabulous. Thank you Love so that. much, Chantelle. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks again. Can't wait to read the book. Oh, thank you so, so much, ladies. Wow. I found all of that chat so interesting, especially about how sick she got with her pregnancies. I know. And you know what? That's something we've never discussed on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, and just the way she's when she was like, oh, um, yeah, I was only in hospital for, you know, four days that time. I mean, being in hospital in general is scary. Mm. Being in hospital when you're pregnant is so scary. And for sickness, mm. I just, uh, yeah, gosh, like we, we moaned, you know, about us feeling like really rubbish in our pregnancy. And then it just goes to show that gosh like some people get it so badly well interestingly as well she obviously had it with her first but then and it was so bad that that she was like oh okay well i'm just just gonna have a i'm gonna have another baby and then it's twins it's like how do you even cope with that i mean she was so honest when she said uh, there was one point where i thought i was being sick so much i I might have to terminate the pregnancy she didn't even know she was having twins at that point i mean that's how far it pushes you i never actually threw up from morning sickness but i had it for four months where I felt like I was on a boat every day, I just felt constant, like car sick. And that yeah. was hard enough to yeah. actually be physically throwing up through your pregnancy. Hats off to anybody that's gone through that, Jesus. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. I just can't, I literally can't imagine how awful it must be, especially yeah. when you've got another child to look after as well. Yeah, I loved I mean, her views on it as well because I, I really like the way she um, she sort of said, you know, my breastfeeding journey was really amazing, but it was up and down. Yeah. And at the end, she was kind of like, you know, whatever you do, I believe that fed is best. She wasn't preachy about it, which was my worry about doing a podcast on breastfeeding because I thought I don't want to come out of this because I have very much a view as do you on the fact that however you're feeding your baby is the right way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, I think it's quite important for us as well to have somebody who, you know, has, has breastfed for a really long time time and has all that knowledge as well because if you are breastfeeding um there are certain things that you you know you want to know like there's lots of tips that she shared which are useful um but equally you know we both did breastfeed not for as long as as Chantel um but yeah it's just I think it's really nice to hear other um mum's experience yeah definitely and then and now we've just got to track down um the right people to do an episode on bottle feeding because I think that would be really interesting exactly because it's not the easy route at all um and yeah we definitely need to have a discussion about that so that is it for us for today we're going to be back on Friday with one of our Q&A's um but thank you so much for listening and we would love you to rate review and subscribe to the podcast and if you could leave us a little review that would be really nice as well yeah and please do keep tagging when you're listening to um when you're listening to the podcast we absolutely love seeing where and when you get to listen to the chats um and if you want to drop us a message it's at made by mummers or on zoe's own channel at zoe hardman and we will see you on friday 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 